Hello, and welcome to the NPRD podcast with nurse practitioner and registered dietitian Robin Kivit. Eating disorders, body image, medicine, they are all interconnected. But with so many programs, techniques, and advice to choose from, it's easy to be overwhelmed. Robin, with more than 25 years of experience as a nurse practitioner and registered dietitian, offers help and hope for everyone, families, children, and adults. Along with veteran talk show host and good friend, Jordan Rich, Robin invites you to learn much more right here on the NPRD Podcast. Hey, this is Jordan Rich. So happy to have you listening to the NPRD Podcast. Today, it's a conversation with Jesse Diggins, world champion cross-country skier. Jesse and her teammate won the United States' first-ever cross-country skiing gold medal at the Winter Olympics in women's team sprint at Pyongyang in 2018. Jesse also is in recovery from an eating disorder. Robin is talking with Jesse to highlight Eating Disorders Awareness Week, and she first asked Jesse to introduce herself to you. Born and raised in Afton, Minnesota, um, I got introduced to the sport of cross-country skiing really young, uh, but before I could even walk. My parents both loved skiing outside in any capacity, like camping, fishing, canoeing, hiking, and of course, skiing in the winter, which is kind of uh, a big cultural thing in the Midwest. So I got introduced to the sport, um, totally fell in love with it, uh, loved being outside with my friends, playing tag on skis, and then I got more and more competitive as I found the racing aspect and thought, you know, gosh, I really like this. It's fun being able to push my body to new levels and um, score points for my high school team. And I just sort of kept taking it to the next level every year. Yeah, it's incredible. I, I read your book kind of backwards and forwards and inside and out, and it's earmarked all over. I'll introduce myself. I'm a dietitian and nurse practitioner, and I've been a dietitian for over 25 years. I combined the field so that I could treat people in a more complete way, I guess, if you will. And I have my specialties in sports nutrition and eating disorders, and I wanted to to mention that, obviously, um, to be sure that it's okay if I ask questions on that topic. And, and also, I just want to truly respect your, ha- your, your time limit, and I know we have the half hour. Yeah, no problem. Fire away, because that's sort of my uh, lived specialty is eating disorders yeah. and sport. <laughs> so yeah. I don't have an education in it, but I have the experience of going through it. So I welcome any and all questions. Thank you. So again, your book came, you know, published in 2020. In terms of the interview, I was hoping to share pieces around it in in my e-newsletter, which will come out for Eating Disorders Awareness Week later this month. And it will go to a lot of other dietitians, nurse practitioners, athletes, but also really athletes who are struggling with eating disorders in recovery and working to be in recovery and people who are not athletes. Are you comfortable with me sharing parts of the interview? On Oh yeah, go for it. Okay, thank you. So I read in your book, and I know you just indicated that your love of the sport came from a time when you were very young. And I think you use the words that your dad was a ski influencer and then that, you know, the competition happened so young, which was thrilling and helpful because from what I 
also read you had a lot of energy as a little girl. Yeah, my dad was a big influence on me in terms of learning how to ski. So it was really cool. Um, you know, uh, from the time when before I could walk, when I was in my dad's backpack and my parents mm -hmm. would be out skiing on the trails every weekend to when they signed me up for Minnesota Youth Ski League and got me my own pair of skis um, to the times when, you know, like um, my parents would take me with them when they went to citizens races. So like the Mora Vassalopit or the very famous American Bergebiner in Wisconsin. Um, and I would get to do the race on the same day as my parents. And I yeah. thought that was really, really cool. And so I grew up with just a very, um, I guess, like loving and inspired relationship with sport and movement. Yeah, the, the, the family piece from when you were young is, is really lovely to read about. Mm -hmm. What? I was very fortunate. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like your family is still such, you know, your parents and your sister is such a big part of your life. So that's Oh, yeah, we're really close. Yeah. How did you prepare just to go to the tour to ski, which was truly incredible? Um, how did you prepare mentally and physically? And how, how did nutrition play a role in that? Yeah. Um, yeah, because there's so many different components, right? Like you have your technique, you have your um, physical training, and then you have your mental training, where, you know, this sport demands a lot of mental toughness, a lot of self-belief, a lot of confidence. Um, and a lot of, you know, you have to be mentally present, because it's also very tactical sometimes, because we have sprints, we have mass starts, mm -hmm. and we have individual start distance races. So for me, um, I'm very fortunate to work with a sports psychologist, and I meet with her every week. And so she's someone with whom I go over my goals for the races. So all, all my goals are always process oriented, not outcome oriented, because, um, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have control over the results she, right? Like I don't have control mm -hmm. over how anyone else races. I can only control my own effort and my technique and my pacing and how I approach the race. And if I can really leave it all out there on the course. And so for me, I set goals more like, okay, when I start to get tired, I want to remind myself, like, stand up straight. And then that's a cue word of standing up that I'll say to myself in order to have the most efficient technique possible. So little things like that, that help me to perform. Um, and then from the nutrition side, we, uh, we are a very energy expensive sport, um, and so especially we're racing in the cold outside and so even just keeping yourself warm expends quite a bit of energy so um for me a big part of preparing for the tour to ski was making sure that i came into it well fueled um especially in a year like this with the pandemic going on i was really looking for a lot of um in-season fruits and vegetables or mm -hmm. even out-season when i could get them mm -hmm. in the grocery so I wanted to make sure like when I was building my plate at lunch and at dinner, I would always have um, a really good source of carbs um, in terms of like, and by really good, I mean like half the plate um, right, right. <laughs> so that I had enough carbohydrates. So maybe that was potatoes, maybe it was rice, maybe pasta, you know, just whatever I was feeling that day. Like it also had to be tasty and enjoyable um, because I also think that food should be enjoyed mm -hmm. um, and then you know about uh, maybe a quarter to a third of the plate is going to be a, a source of protein so you know maybe we cooked salmon maybe we made fish tacos maybe we um, made hamburgers whatever it is you know um, some source of protein 
And then the rest of it is going to be um, fruits, veggies, calcium, and a fat source. Um, and so I'm someone being mildly lactose intolerant. I'm looking for the really hard cheeses or, um, you know, nowadays it's not so hard to find almond milk or lactose-free yogurts and lots of different ways to fill that in. But for me, it's really the philosophy around food that I have is that one, you should eat when you're hungry <laughs> and mm -hmm. listen to your body and listen to what it's telling you because our bodies are so intelligent. And two, um, when I do reach for food, um, I want to make sure that as an athlete, it's supporting great energy. So that doesn't mean that I can't have chocolate. In fact, I eat it almost every day, but Excellent. it means I also need to make sure I have adequate sources coming in in terms of carbohydrates and protein mm -hmm. because my body's expending so much energy. I want to make sure that you know, every time I go out for training or every time I show up to the start line of a race, I want to have, you know, fully stocked carbohydrate stores and have the energy that I need to perform because um, that way, you know, when I cross the finish line, you know, win or lose the race, I know I've given myself my best chance. Mm -hmm. It's it's really great to hear all of what you have to say around, you know, your philosophy and how you, you know, obviously you're, you're such an elite athlete, but the commitment with the sports psychology and just that like allegiance with your body is really, it's really amazing to hear. Reading your book, I wondered, you know, you know, it explains how you know you needed help. And I wondered if you're okay revisiting that a bit in terms of a little bit more about your eating disorder journey and the help with the Emily program because you are, a, you know, you partner with them and that's a mm -hmm. truly incredible thing. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a lot to unpack there, but, um, uh, but I guess I would say one of the things that, you know, I, beyond, you know, my eighth grade health class where they said, this is what anorexia is. This is what bulimia is. I didn't really know anything about eating disorders. I specifically didn't know that it's not your fault um, and mm -hmm. it's that it's not just a behavior issue, that it's actually mental health and mm -hmm. wellness uh, and that there, you know, are really effective places. Like there's so many treatment options, um, you know, ranging from outpatient to inpatient, you know, intensive to more like seeing someone once a week. And I really didn't know that all that existed and was mm -hmm. out there. And so when I started, you know, exhibiting symptoms of bulimia, um, it was obvious to me that, you know, something's wrong because especially with bulimia, it is very clear cut. You know, if you um, purge your food, then, you know, something's wrong. Um, but yeah. I really, um, I was very ashamed. I was um, felt very guilty. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought, you know, um, I've tried my whole life to be perfect because I'm very type A, um, very perfectionistic, always you know, trying to do everything 100%. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but those same character traits are very much risk, risk factors as you're developing an eating disorder. And um, for me, I just really didn't want to accept help because this was mm -hmm. something where I was like, no, like, I'm a good student. I'm a good kid. I can fix this on my own. And really having my, it was my parents, um, which fortunately were very close and they really came to my rescue and they said, look, we've started to put two and two together here. We're seeing some warning signs and we can tell that something's not right. Um, and, 
you know, they're like, we, we want to help you. And we would really like you to go to a treatment center. And, you know, I was 18 years old. So it was, you know, they were like, we can't make you go, but we're going to support right. you. You know, we'll hold your hands for the phone call. You know, I'll drive you to the appointment. Like I'm going to be there with you. And that level of love and support mm-hmm. really, I think is what helped get me through the door. Mm-hmm. It was so hard, but I think the other thing that was hard is I'd never really been educated or told that, you know, this isn't your fault. And I felt so much um, secrecy, guilt, shame. It was such a taboo topic. And so that's partly why I partner with the Emily program now and try to talk about it as much as I can is because I think, you know, an 18 year old Jesse would have really benefited from hearing like, Hey, if this happens to you, similar to, you know, if you have depression or anxiety, or if you fall and, you know, break your foot, that's not your fault. You know, it's not because you're a bad kid. It's just that you got hurt and now you need help to heal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we should put it on the same level of, you know, a broken bone where it's like, nope, there doesn't need to be shame, but you do want to go see someone to get help. You know, like, you're not going to be like, no, I'm going to heal this myself, you know? So I think for me, that was a really big learning curve. Um, and then learning through the Emlyn program, work with, you know, my therapist, my dietitian, learning that all foods really do fit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the start of treatment, I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But like, I'm never going to eat white bread. I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how now I've really been able to embrace like, no, like, first of all, uh, racing on the World Cup, you know, we go from one hotel to another. You don't really have that much control yeah. over what they're going to serve you. So you have to be able to eat. I mean, outside of, you know, actual allergies, um, you have to be able to eat anything. And so, you know, white bread the night before a race is going to be just as good for me as brown bread. It's going to be just fine. Like, I'm going to get that energy. My body's going to accept those carbohydrates. It's going to be fine. And I think not placing such a um, uh, emotional stress on what the food looks like and realizing that, you know, a variety of foods are good for me and it's okay to, you know, celebrate with birthday cake on someone's birthday, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's being able to really embrace and really live the idea that all foods fit into a healthy life um, has been huge for me because, you know, even carrots are bad for you if that's all you eat. So this, that, that was such a wonderful way of explaining it and the messages that you have and that you've lived are so you know vulnerable and clear and just you know how you explain it's not your fault and really getting to that you know getting to that point but then carrying that point for other people how you display you know the Emily program partnership on your hat and you know, mm-hmm. just having that that visibility around the eating disorders is just it's huge. It's it's really huge. And in that, I just I wondered what's the one message you want folks to take away from your book? Like I I literally earmarked it, underlined it, and so many places come out to me, but if you were to pick one message, what, what would that be from your book? Oh gosh. Oh, this will be fun. I'm curious to see if, uh, what you think. <laughs> up. Um, yeah, but oh, man, that is really hard. Um, but I guess it's sort of twofold, I would say, but the main message would be one, you do not have to be perfect to achieve happiness 
and be worthy of love and to achieve your own personal um, success in life. And I think letting go of that idea that you just have to be perfect is um, that was huge for me in my life. And I think that was something that I really hope that the book kind of communicates is that I think we won the Olympics because I wasn't trying to be perfect anymore. And I was yeah. allowed to just be me. Um, Your coach said that to you. It. He said he, loved, oh, yeah. he wants you warts and all. I Matt, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like you, who you are is good enough. Right. You don't have to right. be this perfect version. Um, and I guess the second part of that would be like, one, you don't have to be perfect, but two, that um, it actually makes you very strong to reach out for help. And it is okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to need help because we all need help in life from time to time in big ways and small ways in different ways. But um, I think in, you know, I, I like to think like, yes, I'm such a strong, independent woman and I am, and I still need help and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, it's, there is no shame at all ever in asking someone you trust to help you with something. That's a tough concept because shame is such a big piece to hold and s- something that comes with the eating disorders, but really once we are able to unpack it and work really with it, um, it, it can, having it, having it move, move from there is a, is a big piece. You know, you kind of answered my next question because I was going to ask, you know, in recognizing eating disorders awareness week, what messages would you like to share? And it sounds like those two messages are really the ones that you just talked about in your book. I'd say those are probably the two most important ones because I think our biggest barriers to care yeah. In eating this in the eating disorder world yeah. are thinking that it's not okay to um to ask for help, thinking that we are not worthy of help, like we are, or all of us are. Um, and I think, yeah, just thinking that no, I, I need this to be perfect. Um, well, if we can let go of the quest of being perfect, then maybe we don't need our eating disorders so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Such a beautiful way to put that. With the possibility that the Olympics may or may not take place, what? how do you feel about that? Yeah, um, I guess in that I'm a winter Olympian, I, I am yeah. fortunate because we have a bit more time. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like hearing news about the vaccine coming out, that's awesome. And I guess I feel a bunch of different things about it because at, at the end of the day, like, Sports are so wonderful. They can lift us up. They give us something to cheer for and to look forward to. But it's sport, you know. Like it's it's mm-hmm. not gonna, it's not going to end the world if the Olympics need to be postponed or delayed compared to what's happening right now with Corona um, and what's happening to you know the health of people across the world. Like that is the priority, and that's what needs to happen first. Um, and so I think you know, obviously it would be really, really hard for the Olympics to not take place because that's one of the things we've been working towards for so long. But I think also one thing that I think I've been thinking about this a lot actually is um, really finding validation and peace with who I am outside of results Mm. and outside of, um, you know, achievements. It's more of the process of getting there. And so It's not just, oh, do you win the Olympics or not? It's more of, well, did you inspire people along the way? Did you enjoy this 
this quest of becoming one of the fittest people in the world. Like, that's really cool. Like, did you enjoy the training with your teammate? Did, what did you learn about yourself? Like, did you become mentally strong? Like, did you become, mm -hmm. you know, really um, in tune with your body through that whole process? Like, there's so many ways to win that aren't literally winning on like on a metal stand, you know, that I think are really important and need to be highlighted because I think, especially in American culture, it's very winner take all. It's very Olympic centric, which is great. It's fun. You know, the Olympics has all the pomp and circumstance you could ever want, but you know, we're here on the world cup racing pretty much every weekend. Like it's yeah. not just, you know, every four years, this is the only right. thing we do. I think it's important to recognize that there's so many other important milestones that don't have to be attached to a result or the Olympics at all. That was beautiful. I love how you're, how you talk about yourself in terms of finding validation and peace outside of the results and achievements. And you mentioned that early on when we were talking about, you know, having, having, the work that you do in preparation be, be more of the, pro the process oriented, but also just hearing you say, like you really want to ins inspire and achieve and be one of the fittest people that your gifts, like, and, 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 and I, I'm not just speaking to the physical, but how you talk about your preparation and your, you know, your peace with yourself around recovery, it's, it's really incredible. And so my next question is, besides planning your wedding, which is, <laughs> congratulations. Um, Thank when, you. Yeah. So when you're, I, I think it said on your website, you you may have found a venue, which sounds lovely. Um, yeah. And so, but when you're not skiing, it sound, I from what I read, I think April is a like downtime month. And mm -hmm. so what do you like to do to have fun? Oh, gosh. Well, I guess I would preface this by saying in a non-COVID year. Um, I totally get when things that. Are more, yes. yes. When things are more normal. Um, I have a lot of things I really enjoy. Um, I have a a nice little um, vegetable and herb garden yes. that I really enjoy puttering around in. Um, but that I guess that's more in the summer. But in April, um, well, when I it's funny because... Yeah, at the end of the ski season, I usually want a break from yeah. winter. And so um, my fiance and I would love to go, you know, somewhere warm, like to the mm -hmm. beach, maybe like try surfing, like, mm -hmm. you know, just sort of the polar opposite of <laughs> um, working hard on snow would be like laying on a beach. And yeah. so um, that's one thing I would really like to do. Um, and then I, uh, I really do enjoy cooking, especially mm -hmm. having been on the road without access to a kitchen. It's just nice to be able to feel like, you know, it sounds really lame, but like cooking and doing laundry whenever you want clean clothes is like really special yeah. <laughs> when you come home. And, um, and yeah, I guess outside of that, like uh, right now we're really in, involved in um, kind of remodeling parts of our condo. And so yeah. we, last spring we were, um, building a new like sliding doors for the closet and trying to make them look all aged like barn wood and doors mm -hmm. it, was, it was just very fun to do that together and it was just um yeah just nice to have these projects that are again like just totally outside the world of sports that you get excited for and you can feel really proud of yourself once you finish the project but it has nothing to do with how your body performs yeah and I 
I, I read that in your book, and this is a little, little cheeky on my part, and I, I do want to, the last question is really anything else you'd like to share, but I did read you're your, your going to be around the Boston area, and that's where I am, um, and I just, oh, cool. yeah, so um, it's a wonderful place to be, and um, any, in that, in that sort of vein, I guess, is and keeping to our time, is there, is there anything else that you'd want to share, you know, thinking about the fact that I'll share this in, you know, in about 10 days and specifically, hopefully towards, you know, messaging people in terms of education and, and, you know, decreasing stigma and certainly um, helping folks in recovery or not, but it doesn't have to be that. Is there anything we didn't talk about that, that would be helpful to share for me to know? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I guess my biggest thing is just saying that, um, yeah, we're trying to decrease the stigma here. And so that's why I think it's great to be able to talk about it. And really, it's been really cool for me to find that the more I talk about it, I don't feel any sense of shame or guilt or even sadness at all. It's more like, hey, this was this big hurdle that I had to get over in my life and it was really tough. But coming out the other side, I've learned so much about mm -hmm. myself and learned how to find peace with myself and how to be in tune with my yeah. mind and my body. And so, um, you know, while you would never wish an eating disorder upon anyone, you know, having been through recovery, I feel like I've learned so many valuable lifelong tools and skills mm -hmm. of how to respect myself and listen to myself and trust myself. And I think that's really cool. And so I guess I would say um, to your readers that, you know, there's so much hope to be had and that, you know, even though in the midst of an eating disorder, it can feel like, oh my gosh, this is my life. This is just going to be forever. You know, this is how mm -hmm. it has to be. It really doesn't have to be that. And recovery can be a really scary concept because you're letting go of this crutch that is your eating disorder. But once you do let go, you find that you're so strong without it and um, that you just, the tools that you learn through recovery will help you in pretty much every area of life. And I think it's something that you can look forward to is feeling that self-confidence, like, wow, I just beat one of the hardest things ever. Yeah. So what else can I do in life now, you know? Right. And, and, and so for you, so many different things like win the tour to ski. <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, have your amazing fiance and, you know, build a home and have your family. Um, and I'm, by that, I meant like your mom and dad and sister and so. Yeah. Well, hopefully, hopefully a family of our own, yeah, yeah. which is another reason to recover from yeah. eating disorders. Right. So yes. that's something that like, you know, having, keeping all your future options open is a really cool thing. Right. So I am so grateful to you, Jesse, truly. And I hope I've I've let you know that, and this has been just such, it's, it's been incredible to, to me, for me to be able to speak to you, hear your voice, hear your experiences, and, you know, just, just to learn more, and I, I just, I just want you to know how grateful I am to you for your time, and I'll be thinking of you finishing the World Cup, and so thank you. Oh, thanks so much, Robin. It was nice to meet you, and thanks for such thoughtful questions. I really oh, appreciate it. Thank you. You take good care. Thank you, Jesse. All righty. Bye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining us for the NPRD podcast with Robin Kivit. We invite you to subscribe, download, rate and review us and share this valuable podcast with friends and family. Help and hope is found here. For more, just go to robinkivit.com. That's R-O-B-Y-N-K-I-E-V-I-T.com. Or check out the NPRD.com.